Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In this episode, we look at one simple strategy to help you remember something important. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps. Big change. Another episode of Tiny Leaps, Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, I want to talk about memory. I want to dive into a strategy I've personally been using uh, for the last few weeks now that has helped dramatically with remembering sort of these tiny things throughout the day, things that they're not like mission critical, but it's more annoying when I forget them. It's more annoying when I'm not able to hold on to them. Things like content ideas, if I'm laying in bed, randomly come up with an idea. If I'm not in a position to write that down, this has helped me to remember it until I get to that place. Uh, So this is a really cool strategy. Now, one thing that makes it difficult to remember important details in your life is increased mental or physical stress. And honestly, I think we are all experiencing that right now with everything going on in the world, everything that has been 2020 so far. One thing that can help us deal with that stress is having a licensed counselor to work through issues with. And that's why support for today's episode comes from BetterHelp. BetterHelp is an online platform making professional counseling accessible, affordable, convenient. So anyone who struggles with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. And they do this by matching you with licensed professional counselors that fit your needs and preferences. And all you have to do is answer a few questions, get matched and start getting the support that you need. Now, I've been going to therapy on and off for the last four years, and it has been a massive help. Honestly, it's been such a massive help to me, especially when dealing with tough things like when my business failed in 2016 or when my dad passed away in 2017. And one thing I love about using BetterHelp specifically compared to other uh, uh, forms of counseling that I've done in person and, and others is the fact that you can communicate by whatever way works best for you. If you love texting, you can do that. If you want to jump on a phone call, you just have to ask. And if you want to do video, awesome. Just let your counselor know. BetterHelp has built a platform that allows therapists and individuals to work together in whatever way makes sense for them. So get started today. Head over to www.betterhelp.com slash tinyleaps and use the discount code tinyleaps to get 10% off your first month. That's www.betterhelp.com slash tinyleaps, coupon code tinyleaps. There are often really important things we need to remember in our day-to-day lives, and they can be minor, like remembering to take out the trash, or sometimes they're a little bit more serious, like remembering your anniversary. 
regardless of what it is though, it's not always easy to do so. Life is full of distractions. We're all spending an enormous amount of time each day switching contexts from one thing to another. And there are entire organizations out there spending enormous amounts of money specifically to grab our attention. So we're using a lot of willpower. We're using a lot of energy throughout the day, trying to stay focused on the things that we absolutely have to deal with. That doesn't leave much room for remembering tiny details, for remembering somebody's name or remembering your mask when you go out. Like that doesn't leave much room for dealing with those sorts of things, especially if our brains don't find those things to be critical. Now, the first thing we need to better understand in order to to shift this and, and start using this strategy is what our options are when it comes to memory. There are three main categories of memory. There is long-term memory, there's short-term memory, and there's working memory. Now, long-term memory can be defined as the phase or type of memory responsible for the storage of information for an extended period of time. Those childhood memories you have, the PIN number you use at your bank, the make and model of your first car, all of that is stored in your long-term memory and is accessible when you need it, regardless of how much time has passed. Short-term memory is for all of the stuff that doesn't quite need to be stored for the rest of your life, but is still considered pretty important. According to an article on simplypsychology.com, short-term memory is categorized by three major traits. One, limited capacity, which means it can only store about seven items at a time. Two, limited duration, so storage is very fragile and information can be lost with distraction or passage of time. I believe they say that short-term memory lasts roughly 15 to 30 seconds. And then three is encoding. So how do we actually store the information? And for short-term memory, it's primarily acoustic, even translating visual information into sounds and associating the sounds with the memory. And then finally, we have working memory. Working memory is defined as the part of short-term memory that is concerned with immediate conscious perceptual and linguistic processing. Put simply, it's a part of short-term memory that allows us to recall with a high degree of accuracy information that we need in order to complete a task. So say you are fixing something at home, say like changing a light bulb, right? And you put the new light bulb down on a table in order to remove the old light bulb. While you are working on it, you're able to sort of instinctively reach for the new light bulb on the table. You know it's there. Like you put it there just a short period of time ago, you're able to reach down and grab it. However, if you leave the room halfway through the task, you're, you're no longer working on it anymore, you're no longer focused on it, and you leave for a few minutes, if you come back and you don't immediately see the light bulb, you're going to struggle a little bit to remember exactly where it was placed. Now, it's not going to be a real struggle. It'll probably take you a second or two to sort of recall that information. But, but that's because it's stored in your short-term memory. When you were actively working on it, it was stored in your working memory. And you were able to instinctively reach for the information that you needed. If you leave the room, you come back, and you're able to recall it, that's the short-term memory kicking in to, to give you that resource. And to wrap all of this up neatly with a bow, then if you finish working on the task, you leave the room, you're done, and a month later, you still remember where you put that light bulb, now long-term memory is kicked in and it's helping you to recall that information. 
So how do we use this knowledge now that we better understand how memory works? How do we use this to remember things that are important, but maybe not critical? Well, the answer comes in two steps. The first is something called encoding. This is the process by which memories are stored. So, quote, memory encoding allows information to be converted into a construct that is stored in the brain indefinitely. Once it is encoded, it can be recalled from either short or long-term memory. At a very basic level, memory encoding is like hitting save on a computer file. Once a file is saved, it can be retrieved as long as the hard drive is undamaged. Recall refers to retrieving previously encoded information. There are many different forms of encoding, including visual, audio, elaborative, and others. And I encourage you to check the link in the description, uh, which goes through all of this. It's sort of where I pulled that quote from. But we need to understand what encoding is. And then the second step is sort of what that quote alluded to, uh, but it's called memory recall. So, quote, During memory recall, there is a replaying of neural activity that was originally generated in the brain during a specific event. This echoes the brain's perception of that specific event, which is not completely identical to that event. In this way, the brain remembers the information and details of the event. End quote. So, We need to go through this process of recalling information. And when we do that, it lights up the same neural pathways. It creates the same neural activity that was originally there in the brain during that event, during that process of encoding the memory. What this does, if we look at how something like myelin, which if you're not familiar, I've talked about in the past, it's how habits are formed. It's how behaviors become faster, more intuitive. It's essentially reinforcing a neural pathway. So when you take an action, you do a thing a certain number of times, that action, that thing gets reinforced by myelin. It becomes faster, it's easier, and you're able to do it more instinctively. This works very similarly in the sense that the more you replay that neural activity, the easier it's going to be for your brain to recall that information, to travel down that path because it's being reinforced. You're working, you're doing the thing, your brain, excuse me, is doing the thing and it's being reinforced and you're able to get there a little bit faster and a little bit more efficiently. So with all of this, the process to remember things becomes a little bit more simple. And this is exactly what I've been doing. Now, I I do want to add the caveat here. I'm not a neuroscientist or whatever role would deal with all of these things. Uh, So this process is based on my personal uh, approach to this after learning this information. So take that for what it's worth. First, we need to take the information we have, whatever it is we're trying to remember, and we need to encode it. Let's say you want to remember somebody's name. So this is a simple example. This can be as simple, encoding it can be as simple as saying it over and over out loud. You want to be able to hear yourself in order to trigger the audio encoding aspect. So you can also, if, if audio encoding doesn't work for you, if you're in a crowded room and, and you're not sort of able to repeat things over and over again without it sounding weird, you can also write it down. 
that'll trigger visual encoding, or you can tie it to something else and that will trigger elaborative encoding, or you can say the name over and over again while speaking to the person that'll trigger the audio encoding. We've seen this as a, a recommended approach to remembering things very often. This isn't anything new. The goal here is just to trigger some form of encoding so that the memory starts to form. However, this is where it gets unique and interesting. We need to add the second step, which is the recall. We want to force a recall of the information. Now, for me, this has meant once I've done a little bit of encoding work, so saying it over and over again, writing it down, uh, elaborating and, and tying it to something that I already know, whichever makes sense for the moment, I then purposefully let myself get distracted. So this could be as simple as starting to watch a show. This could be scrolling social media. This could be getting into a conversation with somebody. But let yourself get distracted from the process of trying to remember that thing. And then as you're in that distraction, take a moment and try to remember the information. It's going to be tough, especially for really complex things. It's going to be very difficult to do. But that work, the gap between having the information ready at your fingertips in that short-term memory, that working memory, getting distracted, having it slip a little bit, and then doing a little bit of effort to reach for it, that allows the, the neural pathways to fire, that allows myelination to start occurring, and that allows that memory to be a little bit easier to reach. And of course, more complex things that you're trying to remember are going to require a, a slightly more uh, different approaches to this. Uh, it's going to require that you do the encoding for a little bit longer. It's going to require that you you reach a little bit more in that recall process. But this has worked wonders for me. And I hope that it can help for you as well. So I do have a question for you, question of the day. Uh, find the podcast over on Instagram at Tiny Leaps if you want to participate and leave a comment on the most recent post. And don't forget to like the post as well. I would really appreciate that. Um, so here's the question. What is the best tool you've used to help you remember things? Like what, what do you personally do to remember things? I've shared my process, so share yours with me as well. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've been Greg Clunas. Be sure to click subscribe wherever you are listening today. That is the best way to make sure you never miss a new episode. And as always, remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day. Every day.